0: uh, if you do order that, we would recommend that you go to amazon.com slash protagonist to do so. No, nope. no. Nope. Nice try. Well, there's your <laughs> intro. <laughs> there, there's your intro. Or outro. You didn't say, it, protagonist podcast.com
1: slash Amazon. Which one is it? Protagonist, it's protagonist podcast. com slash Amazon. Okay.
0: Listeners and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joseph Drowski. and I'm Todd Mack. How are you doing, Todd?
1: I am well. Can I tell we've, you a quick? We've been dealing with the flu, but it's oh,
0: okay. Oh, it, it seems like there's been a nasty <laughs> flu this season. Yes. Oh, I hope you're not dealing with it right now while we're recording.
1: No, not me. No, I'm fine. It was the kids. Okay. That
0: uh, that does tend to have an effect on the parents, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. <laughs> Uh, Can I just tell you a quick story about my my daughter? Please do. Made me pretty proud of her today. Uh, She found (laughs) a copy of my... uh, Well, it's a comic book from an era when Marvel and DC got along a little bit better, and they did a Justice League Avengers crossover. Uh Uh-huh. And on the fourth issue, there's a cover with Superman holding Captain America's shield and Thor's hammer. And she found this, and she came and found me, and she angrily said, Daddy, what is this? That's Marvel, and that's DC. Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) You've created a monster? No, I've created Awesomeness Incarnate. (laughs) That's awesome. That's a really Um,
0: great story. And it's fitting for today because we're talking about a comic book. Uh, Today we're actually going to be talking about Kamala Khan from the Marvel comic book series Miss Marvel. The character was created by writer G. Willow Wilson and artist Adrian Alfana, and the Miss Marvel comic book debuted in February 2014, and we're going to be talking about the first five issues of the series. Okay. So have you got a, uh, a quick synopsis for readers? I sure do. And this is actually going to be coming directly from the second issue of the comic book. So these are not my words. These are, I would assume, G. Willow Wilson's words, or the editor. Uh, and the editor for this one was Sana Amanat. Uh, but here is the, the synopsis of who Kamala Khan is from the second issue of the comic book. Meet Kamala Khan. She's 16 years old, into Avengers fan fiction, good at school, bad at fitting in. So when a strange mist descends and morphs Kamala into a shape-shifting superhuman fitting in is the least of her problems.
1: Awesome. I love this book. I love it. Yeah.
0: If, uh, if that sounds interesting and it should, you should get your hands onto this book. It is extremely entertaining.
1: It's really, really good. Um, I read it through Marvel unlimited.
0: That's where I, I read it as well.
1: That might be the easiest way to get your hands on it.
0: So Marvel Unlimited is kind of like a Netflix for Marvel Comics. You pay a monthly subscription, and there is a massive library of Marvel comic books that you can read. They're not uh, up to date with what's come out. Usually there's like a six-month lag, I think, about. Is that right, Andrew? Yeah, that's about right. uh, Between something hitting the comic book stores in print and appearing as a digital issue on Marvel Comics Unlimited. But the bang for your buck is amazing with (laughs) Marvel Comics
1: Unlimited. It's astounding. I mean, considering... Like, how much would you pay for one single issue of, of right, this?
0: Right now, a single issue is 2
1: dollars or, or 3 for one comic book. Okay, so one issue would be, we'll say $3, and yeah. we just read uh, five issues, so that would be $15 to read all of this. or maybe,
2: maybe 12 if they collected those five into a trade.
1: Yeah, yeah. if there's uh-huh. a trade paperback collection, it might be $12. Or $12.99. And a yeah. year, one year of Marvel Unlimited is uh, like $70.
0: I think, uh, is it month-to-month, month? is it $9.99, Andrew? I don't know. Month-to-month, month, I do the annual. The annual, yeah. I mean, they give you a cut, uh, uh, a lower rate if you do annually. But if like if this sounds interesting and you just want to go test it out, yeah. I would go do a one-month subscription, and it's you can power absurd. through this. It's, there, it's there absurd the so amount much. of comics that you can
2: read. And and it's extremely thorough, to the point where there are trades that are not in print, and I can read the issues that I'm missing from
1: saw. I was seeing that they have old DC... Star Wars stuff?
0: It would have been Marvel Star Wars. Marvel had the... Marvel no. DC, never had no. this, DC never had the Star Wars. No. DC never had Star Wars. Was it Dark
1: Horse? It's, or it's all Dark... dark the, it's all Dark have, Horse. They all yeah. have, They have old Dark Horse Star Wars stuff that they, like, acquired...
0: Yeah, so, so Marvel had the original Star Wars license back in the 70s to do a Star Wars comic book. And then in the 90s, Dark Horse, uh, which is a, a small, smaller publisher than Marvel or DC. But they got the license, and their bread and butter for a couple decades was doing Star Wars <laughs> licensed products. But, yeah, so, but now so you saying, can read
1: all of those on um, Marvel Unlimited. Okay.
0: It's amazing. Uh, another place you can certainly order trade paperback collections of the series from Amazon. Or hardcover. Or hardcover, uh, but where they collect usually five or six of the issues into one bound volume. Uh, with the hardcovers, it might even be twelve issues. Sometimes they go up to that many. Mm-hmm. If you do go to get that from Amazon, we would appreciate it if you went to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. That way we get a little bit of the money that you're giving to Amazon, and it helps us to keep our lights on. Okay. I'd and- also recommend maybe go check out your local comic book shop. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, this one's popular <laughs> enough, it may be in local libraries. Um, or, or bookstores. Yeah, they still exist. All right, a few bits of trivia.
1: Not um, in Cedar City, Utah. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Traditional bookstores are gone. <laughs> no, we have one. It's called uh, Braun Braun Books. <laughs> and we do have a comic. We do have a local comic shop. Oh well, look at that thriving metropolis. Yes. <laughs> uh, we'd also remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audio download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com protagonist they have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone iphone android kindle or if you're going old school your mp3 player
0: all right. Here's a little bit of trivia about uh, Miss Marvel. Uh, first, it should be noted that there have been several characters who have used the Miss Marvel code name. The most famous of which is is uh, Carol Danvers, who has also gone by the code names Binary and Warbird. But presently, she is Captain Marvel, which left the code name free for Kamala Khan to pick up, and also for Marvel to retain the trademark <laughs> on it by publishing a title with uh, Miss Marvel. And Kamala Khan is Pakistani American, and she is the first Muslim superhero to headline a Marvel comic book. They had had Muslim superheroes as parts of teams or as um, characters that would make appearances, but this is the first time they've uh, had the titular character of a solo series be a Muslim superhero. And the first collection of Miss Marvel comic books won the Hugo Award for the Best Graphic Story in 2015, and I agree. Well done. (laughs) And uh, the first three collections of the series have all reached at least number three on the New York Times bestseller list for graphic novels. So it is a popular series within the comic book industry. Okay. All right. Before we get to Todd's uh, spoiler-filled synopsis, I have a question for you, Todd. Sure. Have you ever found yourself overwhelmed by choices?
1: (laughs) I have. As a matter of fact.
0: At the bread aisle, at the grocery store, or the Star Wars toy aisle, at any store that has a Star Wars toy aisle. Yes. With so many options, it can be hard to de- hard to decide between double fiber oat bread from Grandpa Oak Tree's Bakery versus triple wheat germ quinoa bread from Grand Reaping Confectionery, Or whether you should get the First Order <laughs> Flame Trooper or the First Order Snow Trooper. And I worry, Todd, that we may have done the same thing to our listeners. We have thrown so many ways that they can help us out. Uh, through the Facebook page, the Patreon page, the Amazon links, the Audible links, that they're standing frozen in the bread aisle of the protagonist's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so let's help them out, Todd. Let's choose one way for this week that all of our listeners can help us out. Okay. What would be your choice of all the options that are before them that this week we want all our listeners to unite and do this one
1: thing for us? Uh, I want listeners to do this one thing. I want them to make a a note, put it next to their computer that says protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. And then every time that they're going to buy something on Amazon, instead of going to amazon.com, they go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon, and it looks exactly like Amazon. And as a matter of fact, it is (laughs) is Amazon. Uh, But now Amazon knows that you've gone to them through our little door, and that means that anything you buy... We get a little cut from and, and then doesn't
0: add any, anything to the price. It is all the exact same price as amazon.com. It's just a way that Amazon, uh, through it's a, it's a form of advertising for Amazon that gives us just a tiny bit of the money that you're spending already.
1: Exactly. And here's the thing. I know that people want to do this, but they keep forgetting to do it because we're, we've been, we've been trained <laughs> to just go to Amazon and buy stuff without thinking about anything. So I need you to write a little note next to your computer that says protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. And then when you go there, uh, then buy stuff and then uh, you'll be helping us out. That would be fantastic.
0: All right. So baller listeners this week, that is our request to you use protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon.
1: Okay. I check it all the time. So I know if people are doing it, I don't know (laughs) who's doing it, (laughs) but some of you have, and thank you to those who have. Yes. Thank
0: you to everyone who has done that and everyone who will be doing it from this week onward. Okay. Producer Andrew, has a note, obvious choice is the snow trooper <laughs> versus the flame trooper.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> every time, every single time, snow trooper all the way. I just say Ray, 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 anything, uh, <laughs> anything you can get your hands on. That's Ray.
0: Oh my God. It. I found a Ray action figure and I bought it immediately. Uh, it was the only one left at store after every time that I'd looked, there were, there was nothing with Ray and I found an action figure.
1: We have the, that was the first, that was the one we got at Christmas. We got the Ray with her uh, Speeder. Yeah. Jakku Speeder. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good toy. Uh, the
0: one I got had a blue lightsaber in the pack. Oh,
1: cool. See, this is this is when she's just a scavenger Ray.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And she has a, she has the hat on and they can't take the hat off. It's kind of oh. frustrating. I wish she <laughs> <you> could. <Yeah. laughs> It'd be nice to see her face, but <clears throat> anyway. Are you ready for a long summary of this? Longish. Yes. Tell us about long. the first
0: five issues. Rather than the first 25 issues in a
1: series, let's just hold it to five. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty simple. Um, I, love, I love the setup of this. There's some really great exposition that happens in the first couple pages. So here we go. As the story begins, our protagonist, Kamala Khan, is smelling the bacon in a convenience store. This is important or interesting uh, because she's a 16-year-old Muslim American, and Muslims do not eat bacon. Uh, Her friend, uh, Nakia, who wears a headscarf, tells her to quit wishing to be someone she is not. Her friend, Bruno, who's also Muslim, tells her, either eat the bacon or stick to your principles. Chow or chow not, There is no smell. Uh, Just then, some popular kids, including an annoying girl called Zoe, come into the store. They mention a party... Uh, that's going to happen that night and zoe makes some really insensitive comments to nakia about her headscarf uh, and then they leave and bruno and uh, and nakia they hate zoe and her friends but the naive kamala she thinks they're pretty great (laughs) um that night kamala's parents tell uh, her that she can definitely not go to the party so she decides to sneak out of the house Uh, we get some great internal monologue about how kamala just wants to be like everybody else Uh, At the parties, there's some drinking going on, Kamala sees Bruno there. He sticks up for her when Zoe and her friends start making fun of Kamala's parents. She feels totally humiliated, and she kind of leaves in a huff. Uh, And we get the idea that Bruno really is kind of – he like-likes Kamala, like-likes her.
0: You've had this in your last couple of summaries, Todd.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, we've been – romance has been in the air on the Protagonist podcast lately. Uh, No interdigitating in this, though, unfortunately, yet. Uh, On her way home, uh, a strange fog rolls into Jersey City, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but this uh, is—I believe this is the Terrigen Mist, which is in fact which converts some people into inhumans, which are a special group of people with superpowers. It's kind of like x X-Men sort of.
0: Yes, but they have to be exposed to the Terrigen Mist for their powers to activate.
1: Right, and it only affects some people. So a lot of people, it doesn't affect them, but it turns out that it does affect Kamala. She starts to feel woozy. She thinks she's drunk because she had one sip of a, of a drink that had— She didn't realize it had vodka, and she it, sipped it, it had and vodka spit it out. She, she sipped it and spit it out, and she goes, oh my gosh, I'm drunk, I'm drunk, I'm drunk. And then she passes out and has this really, really weird but kind of funny dream in which Iron Man, Captain America, and Captain Marvel show up, uh, and they speak a bunch of nonsense to her. Uh, But then they actually start making a lot of sense, and Captain America helps her realize that Zoe and her friends are being disrespectful. Captain Marvel asks Kamala what she wants to be, and Kamala responds that she wants to be, quote, beautiful and awesome and butt-kicking and less complicated. I want to be you. Except, she adds, I would wear the classic politically incorrect costume and kick butt in giant wedge heels, close quote. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, then the Avengers leave, and Kamala is cased, I- is encased in a cocoon, and when she breaks out of it, she looks just like classic 1978 Miss Marvel, complete with blonde hair, black leotard, and thigh-high boots. Yes, amigos, Kamala soon realizes, as you may have already, that she has just turned into my own worst nightmare, a shapeshifter. <laughs> only
0: we were gonna wait we the <laughs> the only
1: shapeshifter in all of fiction that I like <laughs> uh, she turns herself back into herself uh, but then she hears screaming from a nearby dock and uh, it turns out that a drunk Zoe has fallen into the ocean and Kamala in deciding whether or not to help remembers something that her father taught her from the Quran. Uh, and this is what it says, whoever kills one person, it is as if he has killed all of mankind and whoever saves one person, it is as if he has saved all of mankind and Kamala thinks when I was a kid that always made me feel better because no matter how bad things get, there are always people who rush in to help. And according to my dad, those people are blessed. So she turns herself into Ms. Marvel. She makes her arm, uh, and hand giant. And then she scoops Zoe up out of the water. And some other kids show up, and they take some pictures of, here, of her. They think this whole thing is amazing. As Kamala walks away, she has another really great thought. Uh, quote, being someone else isn't liberating. It's exhausting. I always thought that if I had amazing hair, if I could pull off great boots, if I could fly, that would make me happy. But the hair gets in my face, the boots pinch, and this leotard is giving me an epic wedgie. What made me happy, what made me happy was seeing Zoe take a breath of air. Even though she makes everybody feel like crap, I'm glad I was there. I'm glad she lived. Quote, quote. Uh, now things speed up a little bit. So Kamala makes it home, Br- but Bruno has called her parents. She's grounded. Uh, she's really, really mad at Bruno. She goes to school. She starts to feel these weird changes in her body again. She slips out of class. She embiggens in the locker room and is caught by the coach, which lands her in detention and war trouble with her parents.
0: Uh, she, she de-embiggens. She de-embiggens <laughs> before she gets caught. Yes. Uh, but she trashes the locker room by embiggening.
1: Yes. Thank you. Uh, Bruno sends her a text saying he wants to talk. She goes to the convenience store where he works, and when she arrives, a masked burglar is holding up the store. Uh, She turns into Ms. Marvel and uh, takes care of the crook, but he accidentally shoots her. I say accidentally because it turns out the crook is Bruno's little brother, Vic, uh, who was trying to just get a little extra cash. Uh, He runs away and mentions something about the inventor, who's like sort of his boss. Uh, Bruno tries to call 911, but Kamala stops him. She turns back into herself, revo- revealing to Bruno her true identity. She heals nearly instantly and pulls the bullet awkwardly from the back of her pants. <laughs> 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 she tells Bruno that she wants to help him save Vic. They go together to an old abandoned house where Vic's gang is holding him. She breaks in, but is nearly killed by some small robots and a bad guy with a laser gun called Doyle. The, the bad guy's name is Doyle, not the laser gun. Uh, She escapes but is unable to save Vic. Then we get this great training montage where uh, Bruno helps her to learn how to use her powers. She uses a burkini, which is a modest swimsuit with pants and long sleeves uh, with like a short dress on top as her costume. Uh, Bruno coats the burkini in a substance he calls super snot, which allows it to become very flexible. Uh, they go back to the abandoned house, and this time Kamala is successful in breaking Vic out. The bad guys warn her that the inventor will not be happy. Kamala is still in huge trouble with her parents, but she feels good because she's doing good. Uh, she sends a message to the inventor. This is Jersey City. We talk loud. We talk fast. We we talk loud. We walk fast, and we don't take any disrespect. Don't mess. Uh, Doyle uh, slinks back to his lair to report to the inventor that he's lost Vic, Uh And he tells the inventor, I want to apologize for letting Vic escape. We were unprepared for a superhuman rescue, but I'm taking care of it. She's just a girl. She's easy to scare. To which the inventor replies, the girl is walking the streets of Jersey City in a costume and calling herself Ms. Marvel. You haven't just created a problem, Doyle. You've created an urban legend, and the legend ends now. And that's the end of issue five. And that's as far as we go today. Do you want to share anything about the inventor real quick? He looks like a giant chicken. Uh yes. Yes he does. <laughs> I I didn't know if that would be a turn on or a turn off, so I decided to leave it out. But uh yes the inventor looks like a giant chicken.
0: I think that it would certainly increase interest in our, our listeners okay. reading this. <laughs> How could it not? Okay. Did you uh read on at all to find out? I have read the, a c- I have read a couple of issues more. <laughs> Did um, you find out what the inventor why the inventor looks the way he does? Uh no. Well, it mentions it. I think it's in the next issue, so maybe it just kind of subtly slipped by. The inventor is uh, cloned from Thomas Edison's DNA, but the person who's doing the cloning, their pet cockatoo, got some DNA mixed in on accident. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's Thomas Edison with a cockatoo's head.
1: I totally forgot that. I'm in the part where she's now hanging out with Wolverine, which is pretty pretty
0: great. Yeah. Yeah, the next couple issues. Yeah. involved we read. So yeah, I uh I mean that's I think a plus where I knew we were going to be doing five issues for the summary and I read the fifth and I said I need to read the next one. <laughs> yeah. So, so I kept going.
1: It's really it's
0: really really good. So uh Todd, how did you come to Miss Marvel? Why have we selected this for our podcast?
1: I heard this mentioned on a few different podcasts um people saying that it was really good uh and then I talked uh, with a friend of the podcast, Todd Peterson Who had read it And he said "Like Every teenage girl should read this It's so good And especially girls that, that Find it hard to kind of the, You know Like working through things with their parents And trying to live a certain s- Standard of life that they feel like They should but they don't really want to And uh, but they, he just said
0: if they, if they straight against it, that feels wrong so.
1: Right Anyway, he just said every 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 teenage girl should read this comic. it's so good and I read it, and I thought, you know what I think you're right it's <laughs> it's really really good. the art's beautiful it's a kind of a different art style um it's a watercolor anyway that's just that's really good
0: yeah i uh i so once upon a time I was more of a weekly visit the comic book shop kind mm-hmm. of guy, a previous version of myself and <laughs> As life has just got busier. That has really fallen by the wayside. But I keep up on what's happening in weekly count looks through a podcast called I fanboy pick of the week where they pick the best comic book that came out in the last week and then talk about another half dozen or so titles that came out. And it kind of keeps me informed of what's happening. And I make mental notes of ones that I want to read through Marvel digital comics or, or try and get the trade paper back of at some point. And this is one that they've mentioned several times. So it's what I knew I wanted to, but I had not read it until we said, okay, we're doing this Marvel for one of our next podcasts. Um though oddly as I say that I do own uh, a poster of Miss Marvel that's autographed by G Willow Wilson. Really. My wife got at an American Librarian Association meeting where G Willow Wilson was the keynote speaker. Wow. And my wife is a university librarian so she was there and uh G Willow Wilson was signing posters after she had given her her address. So my wife got one. That's awesome. Okay, so, Todd, one thing when I was reading this that kind of stood out to me is um, the idea of the trauma of gaining superpowers. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I think we are often trained to kind of imagine superhero, uh, everything that goes with superhero dumb as kind of uh, wish fulfillment. Uh Uh-huh. And this, I think, does a good job of showing that there is that, but there's also this other side of it. And um, particularly the way she ends up using her shape shifting powers a lot of time it involves kind of like um, Mr. Fantastic stretching, <laughs> like right? Her, or her hand grows and there's a, a very grotesque aspect of the use of her powers. Uh huh. And um, her reactions just kind of—I mean, so many of the reactions to to all the things that are set up in this it struck me as very real, very human. Mm-hmm. But I liked seeing that um, side of things. Uh really being explored in these five issues?
1: Yeah, I um I've read some of the new inhuman stuff that that Marvel's been producing lately. Uh and there's a lot of this. Like people So this terrigen Mist goes all through all across the world, basically. And it and it creates a whole bunch of new superheroes. And they have all different kinds of powers. And some people, when they get their superpowers, it's like, really, truly terrifying. I mean, their, their superpowers are horrible and scary. Uh, and other people, it's just kind of cool. And Ms. Marvel's is kind of in the middle where it's, it's, it's both cool, but it's also kind of weird. <laughs> and it ties in perfectly with her own kind of internal struggles of with identity, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is really cool. But I love, uh, as you pointed out, how real she is in kind of dealing with it. I love Bruno's, Bruno's thoughts as he's watching her do stuff. And he says at one point, I think he says, I don't know if that's disgusting or awesome or both <laughs> or something, but she does. Cause her body kind of stretches in strange ways and it will grow. Um, so she'll get big, but, but not all of her will get big. Just her arm or her hand will get really, really big or her legs will stretch out really long. So she can run faster. Right. And but it she's looks really kind longer strides. It's kind of grotesque. Uh, but but she she kind of has to learn how to deal with it kind of like a, with ant-man there I thought I felt like there was some of that in this just kind of trying to figure out how to do cool things it, it, there's a sense that I can do something really cool but I'm not really sure how to how to deal with becoming big and becoming small and which of those are are more strategic in which situations and that training montage is like half a page yeah but it but it does a, it does a lot to to let you know how she's working through it which I think is cool. There's a, I feel like it's a pretty tight storytelling.
0: Yeah, uh there's a concision to what um is shown and then what we as readers kind of inherently fill in. Uh-huh. And I think Wilson and Alfana do a, a really good job of a, just showing us what needs to be shown for the story for us to complete the rest of the story in our heads.
1: Yeah, it reminded me of um Amazing, was it Amazing Fantasy 15?
0: Yes. Which this, uh, this origin story has gotten in the reviews that I heard on podcasts and hearing uh, people talk about it. Uh, it does get compared to Spider-Man essentially saying like, this is just kind of a, a, for our century, you know, the uh, kind of a Spider-Man origin story, Some getting powers that doesn't feel like they quite fit in, uh, struggling to figure out the best way to use those powers uh-huh. to help people, um, and, and it hits a lot of those beats. It happens to be, you know, a Pakistani American Muslim girl in New Jersey instead of a <laughs> white Protestant boy uh, in New York City, but a lot of the same issues are being explored. But then we get added on, um, you know, just the, the present day context.
1: Yeah, and I, it, I'm not saying in any way that it feels like lifted or uh, like copied. I just think that this it, it's it's really tight in the same way, like really tight storytelling, where they they cover a lot of ground and they tell you a lot about these characters in in really short amount of time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. There's no, there's nothing doesn't feel uh cheap or copied to me
0: no but there's a like a tone to it that that uh is striking the same note
1: right well and she also kind of has that uh spider-man kind of the internal monologue thing that she does and she's funny and and kind of young and naive in in the way that spider-man is also so and uh, <laughs> when you said she's funny
0: one of my favorite things is that um she writes avengers fan fiction. yes <laughs> <laughs> so she's writing these adventures of the Avengers, which is a fun thing to think about. Like uh, within the narrative universe where there are superheroes, of course there would be you know fan fiction happening right. online uh, in the way that we do for for fictional things here in our world. <laughs> but she's so proud when like her stories are getting upvoted on, yeah. on websites and like mine mine was the number two ranked.
1: <laughs> my fan kids, fiction. I read this to my kids tonight, and they were dying during that the the this it's like one page where iron man and captain america and and uh captain marvel are, like fighting unicorns or something it's yes. so weird it's so weird and my kids were just dying they thought it was so funny and i i, I did too
0: so yeah there's um fun kind of applications of our, like our current culture into that version of the superhero universe. And there's even like subtle nods to our pop culture. So she uses the word in which was invented on the Simpsons <laughs> and, and is now pretty commonplace uh, in pretty commonplace usage online, particularly if like click on this to a uh, But it was a made up word on the Simpsons. Really? Yeah.
1: I did not know <laughs> that. I mean,
0: it's one of those words that you immediately know what it means. Uh, but I think it was an episode where they were talking about the English language a lot, and <laughs> one of the characters made up a word that has kind of uh, wormed its way into
1: uh, online usage, at least. Interesting. So I have a question for you about th- this idea that she's writing fan fiction, um, and this ties back in, in some ways to our conversation about um, Magic Knight Rayearth. Yes, Magic Knight Rayearth. Um, so my question is this. Does being well-read in fiction... And I would say maybe particularly fantasy fiction. Does it help prepare you for anything? I mean, because we get the sense when when these readers get tossed into these situations that they're like, "Ha, huh, I know what to do," <laughs> because I've read this before. So, does it is? And I, I'm not being I'm not I'm not being like cute here. I'm asking a real legitimate question. Does being well read in fiction help you? In life? Like, does does having those patterns help make you better in situations?
0: So, uh, I have a couple of thoughts that have leapt to mind as you ask this question. The first, it goes back to our episode about the hero's journey. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And one, I can't remember if we said that then or if this is in conversations I've had with students when I've been teaching or whatever. Uh, but one thing or, or one reason that some people argue that the hero's journey is the pattern of story that resonates is that, um, it's kind of the pattern of life. Uh-huh. Uh, like, you know, we, we see this played out sometimes in grand scales in our stories, sometimes in mundane scales. Like, uh, we mentioned, uh, while you were sleeping is kind of an everyday life version of, you know, version of the hero's journey. Uh-huh. Uh, there's no fantasy, no magic or anything, but it's that, sure. but then each kind of every day, hopefully we, we, take a step from our own world into somewhere unknown. And we learn something that we didn't know before we started the day and we return home, uh, uh, changed and having gained some mastery. And so I think there's that aspect where, yes, we, you know, in stories, we can kind of see a pattern that's aspirational, but also does follow what we're going to experience, Uh be it in our daily life or in like entering new stages of life. Whether you you know you're going from single to married to having kids, like each one of those is crossing a threshold, or mm-hmm. going from high school to college, and then the other thing that I thought of was uh, Neil Gaiman's idea of fiction acting as kind of an emotional inoculation. Uh-huh. That, uh, I, I wouldn't say it gives us the skill set to maybe deal with things, but maybe it gives us uh, a little bit of a mental edge uh-huh. <laughs> to, to be able to. Uh, React and uh, and appropriately uh, face unexpected challenges that are going to arise during the day. uh
1: uh-huh.
0: um, Not you know, like Kamal Khan, obviously, she wouldn't have any idea of how to use her superpowers that she just got from reading or you know from writing fanfiction and reading other people's fanfiction. But maybe she's you know imaginatively placed herself in distressful situations, and that just gives her a little bit of a mental edge over someone who never bothered to engage uh-huh. with fiction in that way. Huh. Producer Andrew's comment. Uh, you can find many
2: articles on links between reading fiction and empathy. Uh So your ability to process alternative perspectives and things like that is definitely going to be improved by fiction. The pretty substantial findings in that regard. And if you just search for fiction and empathy, you'll find many more articles than what I've pulled up (laughs) in the last minute and a half. Um, Okay. So, so there's things like that, but also they'll link it to emotional intelligence and your ability to process your emotions right. um, in situations like that and deal
0: with stress in mm-hmm. different ways and, and in useful, positive ways. Yeah, so I mean, I said maybe any, a mental edge, and I think that kind of lines up with my thinking, uh, which was not informed by any studies. It was just kind of <laughs> speculation, but I'm glad
1: <laughs> to see some studies back it up. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I am so... For me, all fiction practically <laughs> uh, begins with the Quixote. And, and it's interesting to see in that story somebody who really suffers because they're projecting a model, a fictional model, onto real life. And it's, it's kind of funny, but it's also really, really tragic and sad. I'm also reading Northanger Abbey right now. In which she does the 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 main character does the same thing where she she wants to be in a gothic novel romantic romantic novel and it, <laughs> her real world model keeps falling down and it causes her a lot of frustration. Um, so then it was interesting to read this in which uh, I think the same kind of thing is happening, uh, but it seems to be more positive here.
0: Yeah, and I think we there. Are... I mean, nothing is leaping to mind, but when you're describing those, like, I, I know I've seen stories about people who are, like, too far into their imagination and they're unable to process the real world uh-huh. uh, because they're too obsessed with uh, their fandom of something or they wish they were a character in something, uh-huh. and so they're unable to, to go on. But also we've seen this kind of Kamala Khan version of it where it's like the right balance of...
1: Where she's you know. getting, she's being attacked by those robots and she's like, okay, this is a boss level. This is a boss level. I know I can do this. You know, <laughs> she's,
0: she's playing video game at that point. Yeah. yeah,
1: and 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 I need a costume. And I've been playing RPGs and uh, video games since I was seven, and I know what to do. I know how to make a costume. And mm-hmm. so she goes and and makes a costume, and so it it turns out to be really a really useful kind of skill set for her in this case. I think in Magic Knight Earth it's the same way, where they're like, hey, if this was a, a game. Then this is what would be happening, and there are yeah. times where it doesn't fit exactly. And they say, "Hey, this isn't fair. We, we've had to face the boss way too, way too yeah, early, we and we're not ready. <laughs> we haven't leveled up yet." But, but I didn't feel like the model that they had was was like hurting them in mm-hmm. the way that we see it in the Quixote, you know, tilting at windmill windmills, or in uh, in Northanger Abbey, where she's not able to enjoy the life that she has because she wishes that it was a life that it, that only exists in fiction. So anyway as this it was an interesting thing.
0: And I think um we also see characters and again no no hard examples are looking at but I think we do see characters portrayed who um you know their lack of reading hurts them in their you know their lack of knowledge of culture uh, hurts them and their ability to engage with the world around them. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe there's a spectrum and you don't want to be too far on the disengaged or the too engaged ends of that spectrum.
1: Thinking of maybe, maybe like Lucy and Edmund in, in, uh, Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe mm-hmm. where she's, she's really open to a world of magic and uh, I don't know that she's, I know that she really has a model for that, but she seems to be really kind of open and comfortable there, whereas Edmund is far more, uh, like doubtful. And I don't know. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's the right. If that's the right model, but that's the first thing that jumps to my mind.
0: Uh, I also. Um, I thought about. There's a scene in a West Wing episode where Josh Lyman has to go talk to someone who's working in the White House and is too much of a Trekkie <laughs> in the White House. But he gives this monologue where he's like, I love Star Trek, and I think Star Trek has a lot of valuable lessons. And he like shows that he's an insider of this culture. He's like, but it, it doesn't have a place in this moment right here, right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, we need to disengage from our fandom of that thing in order to do this job, even as that fandom can teach you some good lessons and good morality. Yeah. Huh.
1: I, li- I like it i just i think reading northanger abbey today and then reading this uh, i kind of had that on my brain but uh i think it's an interesting thing to think about
0: of all the superheroes that she writes the fan fiction about like captain marvel who was miss marvel mm-hmm. is her favorite but that um her fandom of miss marvel is what pushes her immediately to be a hero when she gets these powers yes Um, Whereas, like, if we tie this back to our earlier episode where we talked about Amazing Fantasy number 15, which is the origin story of Spider-Man, he doesn't choose to be a hero right away. Right. Um, And so in that sense, I think, uh, you know, that that fandom is, like, a motivating factor. (laughs) It's not just that Uh she's maybe a little more... E- emotionally prepared for what it's like to fight a supervillain. It's like she's choosing a path because of her fandom.
1: I think it's really interesting. This is the other thing about reading here. I think it's really interesting that when she decides to help Zoe, it when when she so she goes through the terrigen Mist, She has this crazy vision, and Ms. Marvel is there, and she says, "I want to be just like you." And she doesn't say, I want to be just like you. I want to help people. She says, I want to be just like you. I want to be beautiful. I want to kick butt and wedge heels and a and a skimpy leotard. That's what I want. I want to be beautiful. And then she f- hears Zoe fall in the thing. And and then the thought that comes to her is not, this is what Ms. Marvel would do. It's This is this thing that my dad taught me from the Koran, which is another text, right? Mm-hmm. And and the thing that pushes her to be to to help people is not the thought of Miss Marvel. I would argue, it's the thought that, of this thing that her dad taught her from the Quran, which is when you when you kill one person, you kill all of humanity. When you help, when you save one person, you save all of humanity. And she goes, "Okay, I'm going to help people because my dad says that people the people that do that are blessed."
2: You know, you're right. <laughs> and I, that's really. <laughs> I was going to ask this question because Joe was saying that. She was motivated by Miss Marvel, who's a hero she's got an attachment
0: to. But from Todd's
2: description, I was like, no, she's motivated you're by right. the Quran. You're right. She's motivated so, by her like, religious
0: subconscious- beliefs. Subconsciously, she became Miss Marvel when the Tarotian Mists gave her these shape shifting powers. Like she comes out as Miss Marvel. Yes. Uh, but you're right. It's, it's uh, so her fandom kind of like gave her that form, and uh-huh. she thought of herself as a super. Like she realized, obviously, something is different. But to actually go and do the heroic act is coming from her religious upbringing.
1: And and then it's interesting that she's a shapeshifter. She can be whatever she wants, and she could have any costume she wants. In fact, she has the classic Ms. Marvel costume that she wanted. But she she goes through the effort to get an old bikini that her mom gave her that she hated, that she never wanted to wear because it's uncomfortable and and must. That's not what the cool kids are wearing. Yeah, it must be totally mortifying for her to put that thing on. And she says, "This is the thing that I'm going to wear." I just I think it's really I think it's cool how uh her her Muslim beliefs underlie and in and inform a lot of the decisions that she makes, even as I think she doesn't even realize that they are.
0: Right. And I want this is the next point I want to get into. So my two notes that I wanna make sure we talked about were the trauma of getting superpowers and how that's kind of explored in this. But then also uh the issues of identity when you're a shapeshifter. Uh-huh. And she can be you know she's not, she's uncomfortable with who she is. And she wishes there were things that were different about her when she's just Kamala Khan Uh and she's getting these shapes of shifting powers, but she pretty quickly realizes this, you know, changing my identity is not going to fix my (laughs) issues. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's not just that, um, taking this different form comes with a, a whole new set of issues. Like you mentioned, like having this really beautiful blonde hair loose, it flies in my face. <laughs> like it's uh-huh. hard. It makes it hard to be a superhero, but I can't see where I'm going. And this costume that I thought was really awesome is actually quite uncomfortable, but it goes well beyond that to kind of what you're getting at that, um, having that new exterior, it's not who she is. Um, and she needs to work through who she's going to become as, the daughter of her parents as a member of this religion that maybe she, she chafes against some aspects of what this does to her social life, Uh but she still is clearly, you know, honoring that religion at her core.
1: Yeah. And I think we should, I think we should maybe make clear that her family. I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I hope that everybody realizes that there are all different kind of shades and flavors of, all different religions and and uh islam is is similar to a lot of religions in that there are people who are more fundamental uh and follow uh, guidelines more strictly than others and like nakia her friend that wears a headscarf kamala doesn't wear a headscarf ever right uh, and her friend does and zoe says to her to, says to nakia um does your did your dad make you wear that because like i don't want you to be honor killed or something <laughs> And Nakia says, "Actually, my parents wish wish that I would take it off. They think it's just a phase." And and Kamala has a brother who's who is more serious, yeah, more or fundamental, conservative within yeah. the religion. And and her parents aren't really happy with him. They want him to go get a job and stop praying all the time. Uh, but they but so it's interesting and to see. And that brother
0: kind of out the dad for working at a bank because he says that goes against like certain interpretations usury, of some right. of the verses. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it's. I think that it's cool to see that. Yes, this is the first Muslim to headline uh, a comic, but it's also not a stereotypical uh, like cardboard cutout of a Muslim. It's a. It's a complicated person dealing with complicated issues of religion, and and it, and it come and it's so perfect that her superpower is uh, that she's a shapeshifter because she's struggling so much with identity. Um. And it's not, it's not clear. If you look at the people in her life, she has Nakia. She has her brother. She has Bruno, who doesn't seem to be really that into the religion, uh, her parents, who seem to be more so, her brother, who's, who's m- more extremely so. She also has her uh, – the, the, the guy at the, at the mosque that's in charge of the mosque. Uh, so there are all these different versions of Muslim that we see, and she has – she gets to pick between all, all of those and, and ends up coming up with her own, I think her own version of it, which is cool.
0: Yeah. And I think this is, um, a really informed, <laughs> a, a representation of that in part, because G Willow Wilson is Muslim. Um, and, and so I think when there is like a majority culture in America is not Muslim. And often when members of a majority culture try and represent a, a minority culture, um uh, be it what, in whatever form the minority is coming, oftentimes, you know, you fall on stereotypes, not maliciously, but just because that's uh, a lot of times what our familiarity with other cultures are. Mm-hmm. And so having an insider of that culture writing this character, I think was important for Marvel uh, to get some of the layers of nuance that you're identifying.
1: Yeah,
2: I think I- it, it might be worth noting that um La Wilson is a convert to Islam. she She wasn't, you know, brought up with that throughout her entire life. So she has surely a a good view of the full gradations
1: yeah yeah i just i think it's remarkable it's a it's really great storytelling and yeah
0: and and we're i mean we're only five issues in in what we're covering right now and we're seeing all the um you know the the layers that
1: that are present in this family i really like it and i'm really glad that she doesn't turn herself into other people all the time because that would just freak me out When she turns into her mom, that kind of freaks. That kind of freaks me out. Yeah,
0: um, and I, I mean, it's really interesting to think about. It. I mean, think of your teenage years or anyone's teenage years. Like there are issues, no matter whether you're part of the majority or minority culture. Like you, you're going to feel like an outsider. I mean, that's one of the, the common um, arguments for why X Men has become one of the more resonant and and popular franchises in comics is True. that it's you know at, in adolescence this power onset happens that sets you apart from everyone else around you. and makes you feel like an outsider. And uh-huh. part of the argument is a lot of comic book readers are teenagers and all teenagers will find a reason or are like a reason outsider. by their peers to feel like an outsider. Right. Um, even as in a lot of other ways, there's more similarities than differences. Whatever those differences are, are going to be kind of highlighted in big in your mind, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, And so with uh, Kamala, I mean, she's a normal American teenager, uh, but she sees these differences that, uh, in her mind, are really setting her off. And characters like Zoe, uh, you know, highlight those differences. Even as Zoe is um, kind of passive-aggressively trying to paint this as, like, a normal conversation, she's really saying some mean things uh, while having just enough of a veneer on the front of it that she can say, oh, I didn't mean it that way, if she gets called out on it.
1: She sounds like she's being nice, yeah, what is uh, is it Bruno that says she's only being nice so that she can be mean
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that
1: <laughs> it's awesome uh what other characters stand out in your mind
0: uh, <laughs> um the inventor is just so weird <laughs> like, <laughs> like we I, I think we only see the inventor like he's a he's a a whispered presence right. uh, for most of these five issues. And isn't it the last page of the fifth? It's the very last
1: page of the fifth yeah, issue. Yeah, you
0: get the, re- the, the big reveal that it's this kind of bird head on a pretty human body. <laughs> like a human-sized <laughs> body with a, a giant bird head on top of it. Yep. Which is one of those things about comics that I just love. <laughs> like that absurd ideas like that can happen and you just you go with it within that genre. Whereas in other genres, it would feel... So out of place and weird,
1: and that you can be having this really, I think, really sophisticated uh, exploration of identity and uh, religion and values in in young people, and then and then a guy, a guy shows up and his head is a, he's a giant cockatoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, what? I mean, it's uh, kind it's of awesome.
0: like um, a lot of. Readers of comic books, uh, if you listen to any podcasts that touch on that, they, they kind of marvel that the TV show, the flash is on the CW right now where, Uh, um, some of the craziest ideas from comic books. Get used without apology on there. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, an alternate Earth called Earth 2 is one of the main plot points this season. But they also have included characters like Gorilla Grodd, who is one of my favorite absurd comic book supervillains. He is a talking gorilla with telepathy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's been a character that's appeared more than once on the Flash TV show. And they've also had um, King Shark. King Shark, who <laughs> is a shark man. He's a shark man, a guy with huge uh, arms and legs. And a, a shark, shark head, head. <laughs> but they've, oh, they've had man. this on a TV well, show and, and that's being produced right now for a mainstream audience. And, and a lot of people are of, watching it and enjoying it. Yeah. The, and those are the kind of things that used to only find in the comic book pages, but it seems like in this, uh, wave of comic book, uh, adaptation or superhero adaptation from, you know, Fox's X-Men in 2000 odd like we've seen kind of, uh, like if you go back and rewatch that X-Men film, it kind of took itself like more seriously and, you know, changed the costumes and said, no, we can't be too comic booky. We've got to uh-huh. rein in some of those impulses. We'll still have superpowers, but not the craziest X-Men, <laughs> you know? uh-huh. and, and they try to ground it more and more, but it seems like we're, we're pushing those envelopes more. We're getting more of the, uh, superhero costumes that are present, like bright colored costumes in, from the comic pages that adapted directly. So well, when they uh... did X-Men first, first class, they gave them the yellow and blue costumes that, uh-huh. Uh they thought were too weird. And now with the Flash TV show, we're getting some of the most out there comic book villains that are grotesque and absurd and weird, and they're getting adapted into mainstream television.
1: And even just today, the final trailer came out for uh, Captain America Civil War, and the big reveal was Spider-Man, and he's wearing... This retro bright red and blue suit. Yeah, they like, kind of to- toned
0: those colors down in the last couple iterations. Mm-hmm. But they went back. It, it, it's it's toned always... up. Uh, I wonder if they're swerving away from uh, the color palette of DC Comics universe, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, cinematic universe. Not, the, I mean, the Flash is bright and fun, but their cinematic but he, universe he, he, has they, been he, kind of gray toed
1: Even his red costume is not cherry red. It's like, or yeah. not, you know, like fire engine red. It's like, it's like it's a
2: maroon, like brick red.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and another like tonal shift—not just in what they're showing on the shows, but in the flash, you have Captain Cold, and they just really have him lean into—he's like, "No, cold is my thing. I'm going to use cold puns, yes. and I, and that's my motif." And so he goes over to the jukebox and starts playing "Cold as Ice." Yeah, but right.
0: somehow it doesn't feel like uh, the uh, Schumacher one, which was too far. I don't know if it was we weren't ready for it yet or or what. But the Schumacher Batmans, which really led to a lot of the convolqueness, like like took it two extremes that were beyond what you Ma- find. Maybe lean past it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> leaned into it and broke through the comic books and, into a different cartoony realm.
1: Is that the Adam West Batman?
0: No, it's the, uh, the Joel Schumacher one is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze. George oh, Clooney as okay. Batman. George Clooney okay. is Batman, yeah.
1: I don't know if I've seen that one.
0: Uh, I don't think we'll be getting to it. <laughs> 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 For this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Unless we do a special episode of about, I don't know, bad, where bad things went movies. wrong. <laughs> good ideas that went wrong. Okay. Good good characters, badly adapted. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. What do you think about her parents? So, uh,
0: I read, um, like I said, uh, when I was getting the trivia, I skimmed through the Wikipedia page, and I had a couple uh, quotes from reviews from the time it came out. So, when Marvel announced that they were doing this series, and that it was going to be Kamala Khan, and that they were going to have... Um, a Muslim American teenager as, as the main character, there was a lot of discussion, both positive and also some like worried, uh, and concerned about it. And let me find this quote real quick. Um, all right. So there were a number of, uh, positive reviews. These are all, um, quotes that are coming from Wikipedia. So uh, the website comic book resources in their review, they said, there's nothing not to love about Miss Marvel, uh, number one, specifically, every character is well-formed and distinct. The story, lovingly crafted, the art meticulously planned, and at times downright funny. And I think you and I agree with that completely. Yeah. Uh, Comic Vine said, Miss Marvel makes a delightful debut, showing confidence and heart even before she puts on a mask. Kamala is not your average superheroine, and her stories seem like they're heading in, in an exciting direction. Kudos to Marvel for expanding its range, amping up the diversity factor in a way that doesn't feel token or temporary. Uh, and let's see then, um, IGN had said, Miss Marvel introduces a vibrant and troubled character that you can't help but love. There was a concern that was expressed by Dr. Leon, uh, Musavi of the university of Liverpool, who, uh, again, this is something coming from Wikipedia, but they, uh, um, Dr. Musavi felt that the character's family would reinforce the stereotype of restrictive Muslim parents and that her shape-shifting ability resembled several anti-Muslim stereotypes. Um, Particularly that one about the uh, the parents, um, you know, that it would reinforce stereotype. To me, I didn't feel that when I was reading this. This just felt like concerned parents of a teenage daughter. That's how I felt also. Like, it's not unreasonable for a parent of any faith, of any religion, or non-religious to say, no, you can't go to that party on Friday night where... Uh, there's going to be a bunch of teenagers that have a reputation for drinking.
1: <laughs> like right.
0: A, that's not an unreasonable thing for a parent of a, Kamala is 16, right? Is a, right. A parent of a 16 year old to say, in fact, a good parent should say that. Yeah. Um. And, and so I, I think I understand where like you hear the premise and you hear that there's going to be some chafing up against the parents and maybe you become concerned about the stereotype of overly restrictive Muslim parents, but at the same time, I think what we see isn't that. It's just good parenting.
1: Yeah. And her dad, was, is it one of the nights she comes back and she's eating just a ton because her healing factor makes her really, really, really hungry. And she's eating a bunch and her mom comes and kind of yells at her and then leaves her with the dad. And the dad says, Why don't you eat some more? I can, I can tell that you're hungry. And I mean, he's very empathetic towards her and he's kind. Um, it's interesting that in her moment of need, again, the teachings of her dad come back to her, and 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 inspire her. Um, and I think that if you know, there could there could be a different version of this written in which her parents were really horrible people. Yeah, uh, but they just aren't, and mm-hmm. I don't get the impression at all. Even her mom, who seems a little bit stricter than her dad, uh, they both seem just like really loving, concerned parents who have a a certain set of uh, beliefs and values that they want to instill in their daughter. Um, but, uh, even as far as, uh, as Muslims go, they seem pretty moderate.
0: Yeah. Eh, or at least portrayals of Muslims that we see in media. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to, uh, touch on the, uh, the religious leader. Uh, what, what's the character's name? Do you remember? Or His do you have a name?
1: Sheikh Abdullah, I think.
0: Okay. So, um, we see him teaching a couple times, uh, once where, uh, Kamala is, um, really resistant and kind of annoyed that she has to go there mm-hmm. and, uh, hear these teachings and she and her friend sneak out and kind of have a heart to heart. cause he's, he's speaking to all the youth, you know? Um, right. but then there's a later time where uh, her parents kind of concerned that she's getting more rebellious. They ask her to go meet with him one-on-one. And she like thinks I know exactly what he's going to say to me, you know, be the good daughter, uh, don't sin, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, all these other things. Uh, but I really like the conversation that they have together, where she doesn't, you know, come out and say I'm a superhero, but she says, oh, you know, I'm getting in trouble, but really I'm helping people. Like, like I understand my parents are annoyed, but I really think what I'm going through right now is for the benefit of others. And he says, well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> like, like keep helping
1: others. Yeah. This comes in in like seven or eight, I think issue. Oh,
0: okay. So it's past these five.
1: Yeah. But what he, he tells her, whatever you do, do it with honor and do it with respect and do your best, whatever it is that you're doing. Just be, be you, but be the best version of you doing it. And that's fine. And it's like, Whoa, <laughs> that's really good advice. Uh, and it's not yeah. at all
0: what she expected. Like she expected no, not at all. to have that kind of stereotypical uh super conservative
1: patriarchal
0: uh, yeah. Um yeah. oh and I want to mention uh the cover of issue number 5 we'll put this image up uh on our website maybe it'll be the the cover art that we use for this episode but I love that cover to issue number 5. It's uh the one where she's sitting on a lamppost and looking out over to New York City.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it just uh, packs a lot of pathos uh, into one image that I think gets to a lot of the the isolation that uh, teenagers inherently feel. Uh. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so sorry, uh, I was <laughs> not to, the image I wanted. Joe <laughs> I was trying to pull it up, and our producer was like, "Let me see." Like he was whispering to me, "Like let me see the cover." Uh, but when I opened it, because I'd read the last page of the issue, the image that had popped up was uh, the,
1: inventor. <laughs> the inventor, the inventor, the Birdman.
0: <laughs> So I just turned and showed him that. "Ah." Yeah, Uh, (laughs) yeah, a strong reaction to the visage of a cockatoo on a man's body. But uh, this image is really excellently uh, crafted, and just the everything from the layout to the positioning of where Mm -hmm. she's at and the way she's looking at. She has the isolation happening, and there's this big city on the horizon. You know, the whole world is there on the horizon, essentially. Um, and she has kind of this cape-like scarf that's blowing in the wind. I just really love the composition of of that yeah, cover. Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: I just want to say how much I really like her friend uh, Nakia. I think she's really cool, and she she doesn't show up very much in this, but she just—it's almost like she's she's the she's the kind of young lady that Kamala could be. I mean, she's she's confident. She seems to just have her head screwed on really like straight. And she doesn't, these other, uh, popular kids, they don't bother her. And I just think she's really cool. I really like her.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's one of those characters where like, we don't get a lot of her in these five issues, but you're waiting for like an issue that really focuses on her. (laughs) If that's going to be looming in the storytelling, which is a, a pretty common thing in long running comic book series where, you know, they, they introduce side characters that, make minor appearances. And then suddenly you find out a lot more about them and it changes like everything you yeah. do about them when you get that. And so I I'm kind of waiting for that to happen for her. But like you said, I've, I've enjoyed all those interactions that, that Kamala's when had you,
1: and, and like all the characters, like all the characters in this novel, in this, uh, in this comic, she feels real. And like, there's, mm-hmm. there's a real person inside of there and not just a, a painting of a person, which is awesome. And this is – I mean this is a really fast read. You can read these five issues in an hour.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I would think so.
1: And and there's a ton of story, a ton of character development. There's a lot of really interesting exploration of important ideas uh, and timely things. It's just – it's great. It's everything that I love about comics uh, are in these five issues I think.
0: Yeah, and I've been – I've had my students reading mouse and we've also been reading Scott McCloud, which gets into a lot of formless uh-huh. theory of comics and, uh, shout out to Adrian Alfaña for doing some, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your last name right. I've never heard it said, <laughs> but, uh, some really fun things with layouts and, uh, just strong cartooning is happening within these stories. It's a
1: little bit, it's a little All bit right, different style.
0: Out. Yeah. It's, it's not, um, like, uh, I mean, I think we've mentioned before that superhero comics often get kind of uh-huh. a house style, um, which changes by decade to decade. Like there's a Jack Kirby blockiness to the 1960s and there's a Jim Lee really cross hatched style of the nineties. But in the last five or six years, would you say, Andrew, that Marvel's really opened up their, their doors to like a less restrictive, like you don't have to match any kind of house style. And Marvel, Marvel in particular,
2: much more than, than DC has, but Marvel's, I think typically been more open to letting people do their thing but mm-hmm. lately in particular and and people are getting recognition for their style on a particular book.
0: Yeah. And listeners, if you do uh, pick this up to read, I I just realized it's in issue uh, number six is the one that has that conversation uh, with her religious leader. And this is an issue also where she meets up with Wolverine uh, while she's (laughs) hunting down, tracking down a clue in the sewers. And there's just one moment where she realizes that it's Wolverine and he's standing there. He's like, who are you? Because he's never seen this girl. And she starts doing this happy dance and she yells, I totally put you first in my fantasy hero team up (laughs) bracket.
1: It's the best. I love
0: her. Yeah. And the next thing that she tells him is, my Wolverine and Storm in Space fanfic was the third most upvoted story (laughs) on Freaking Awesome last month. And Wolverine just turns and walks
1: away. (laughs) But it's so great that Wolverine shows up because there's almost a kind of, like, a Kitty pride element to this. I mean, Wolverine's attracted, not in the attracted in like the most platonic way possible to people yeah, uh, like so wolverine has a, ha- like kamala
0: yeah he has a history as a character of mentoring uh young or, or teenage female superheroes like he said completely platonically <laughs> so don't get the wrong idea about wolverine uh, i wouldn't say this but he has a history with with kitty pride uh with armor it is another character from uh astonishing x-men that we mentioned. Uh, he gets a female cloned version of himself called X-23. Uh, so this happens, but he kind of like, for this one adventure, takes uh, her under his wing. Uh, this is in issues uh, six and seven. Or, yeah, six and seven. And, and helps. And um, this is actually another thing where it is... Um, I want to get his name right. Uh, the character's name, the, the religious leader. What do we say? Abdallah. Sheik. Yeah. Abdallah. Okay. Um, she, she has that conversation with him. And the last thing that he says to her is as the ancient saying goes, when the student is ready, the master will appear. And then it's this, this issue that she kind of meets Wolverine. And at first he like storms off and and kind of ignores her, but he kind of gives her some pointers that are necessary steps in her progressing on this, you know,
1: her, on her hero's journey. Yeah, And this, I, I just want to read this, this conversation that he has, she has with the sheik. um, She says, wait, you're not going to tell me to be a good girl, focus on my studies, and do repentance or something? And he says, if I told you that, you'd ignore me. I know how headstrong you are, so instead I will tell you to do what you are doing with as much honor and skill as you can. And she says, I can't believe it. I thought you were going to warn me about Satan and boys. He says, I've been giving youth lectures at this mosque for ten years. If I still have to warn you about Satan and boys, I should lose my job. I'm asking you for something more difficult. If you insist on pursuing this thing, you will not tell me about. Do it with the qualities befitting an upright young woman. Courage, strength, honesty, compassion, and self-respect. And then he says, uh, when, the, when the student is ready, the master will appear. Which is just awesome. That's why I want, that's why yeah. I want my daughters to read this. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, and that's what I'd hope uh, Like every mentor to a young girl would give a speech like that. (laughs) Uh, and I mean, we've, we've said, uh, like you said, friend of the podcast, Todd uh, Peterson said like every teenage girl should be reading this. I think this is just a delight to read for anyone, any age group, any gender. Uh, it's one of my favorite comic books that I've read in quite a while. Really glad that we chose this one. Any final thoughts, Todd, before we wrap up?
1: I'm really happy that we got to do this. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to keep reading more of uh, Miss Marvel. She's great.
0: Yeah, I am definitely going to um, keep reading all the ones that are available on uh, the Marvel Digital Comics app. And uh, listeners, if you, you can find it there or you can go through Amazon. Uh, but we would just like to thank you for listening. And again, our goal for this week is that our listeners will go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon for any Amazon orders that they make. But... There are still several other ways that you can help us out. Uh, so you can subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in iTunes and leave us a review. And that helps other people to find our podcasts and links to everything that we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com, and you can find a list of all of our previous shows. And you can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're all on Twitter at protagonistpod at Todd K Mac, and at Jay Dorowski, and our producer Andrew is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Our Facebook fan page is Facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. If you, if you like this show and want to help us out financially, there are a couple different ways that you can do that. You can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation for the show with a monetary donation at patreon.com slash protagonist. And do not forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. And don't forget to use protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon for your Amazon purchases. Thank you again for listening. And we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So So long. So long. And if you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by buying a topic for us to discuss or showing appreciation through a mon- monetary donation at Patreon. Uh, I'm struggling <laughs> with this read. Did you what walk through the mist? <laughs> I don't know. I took a sip of a vodka <laughs> yes. orange juice, a screwdriver, and spit it out immediately, and now I'm drunk. <clears throat> All right.